All right, well, good morning. If you have a Bible with you, I encourage you to grab it right now and uh, encourage you not to just grab it on Sunday mornings, but to what Matt just declared, we believe with all of our hearts, and that is that the Word of God does bring transformation. There's no end to other books that we could read and a lot of really good, helpful resources, but this is different than any other book, the transforming power of the Word of God. So don't limit it to simply a Sunday morning time, but for a daily opportunity to have our hearts aligned with the Lord. So we're going to, if you have a Bible, uh, look at Mark 1. But before we look at Mark 1 together, I have first a big thanks to be able to offer to you. How many of you were here two weeks ago when Tony taught and gave the opportunity for the church in Egypt? Any of you were here? All right. So this is a way of follow-up from that. He shared with you that we, in conjunction with ICM, International Cooperating Ministries, could, as a church here in Mandarin, participate in providing a church for a body of believers in Egypt. And so we put that need before you, and within a week, so grateful, I meant to tell you this this last week, but within the first week, you gave $30,000 to be able to build that church. And so two weeks in, we're only about 5,000 away from being able to say to this other body of believers in Egypt, Here's the resources for you to be able not only to have a church building, but to begin a discipling, multiplying ministry through their partnership with the Mini Bible College. So really grateful. Big thanks to you for not only your generosity, but your vision to remember we are part of a much broader body of Christ. It's not just our church. It's not just Jacksonville. It's not just the United States. God is at work among the nations, and we really get the privilege of participating in it. So thank you for your generosity. And if you went, oh, that's right, I wanted to give to that, guess what? We still are about $5,000 away, so you could still give and participate in that opportunity. All right, turn to Mark chapter 1. And in Mark chapter 1, we're going to look at Jesus encountering, because all of Mark is about Jesus encounters. We're going to be looking at him encountering the desperate. And when I say the desperate, it's going to be obvious from the text what he is desperate about. But as I read it, we're going to read verses 40 through 45. Before we look at it, I want you to know this. As we read, look for... What are the extremes demonstrated in this guy's life that seem to be contradictory? Okay? Beginning in verse 40. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, that is, begging him, and falling on his knees before him and saying, If you're willing, Jesus, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cleansed. And he sternly, that is, Jesus sternly warned him, the leper, and immediately sent him away. And he said to him, see that you say nothing to anyone, but go Show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded as a testimony to them. But he went out and began to proclaim it freely and to spread the news around to such an extent that Jesus could no longer publicly enter a city, but stayed out in unpopulated areas and they were coming to him 
from everywhere. Now, you see the extremes in this guy's example? It just struck me that, wow, here this guy, he comes to Jesus desperate to be healed, and what's Jesus do? He heals him. And so you would think, what would the guy say to the guy who healed him? Yeah, thank you, and whatever you want me to do, just tell me, I'll do it. And so Jesus says, don't tell anybody. And Blabbermouth goes out and tells everybody he can find. Isn't that crazy? It made me me ask this question. How can this man be such a marvelous example in coming to Jesus, but then such a horrible example in obeying Jesus? I mean, this is textbook, and we're going to look at it, how he comes to Jesus. But then when Jesus does the supernatural for him, instead of in gratitude obeying, he goes off and tells everybody so that Jesus can't do what he was intending to do. Incredible. And so, how does the same guy become such a great example and a terrible example? How's that happen? If you want to know, do this. Go look in a mirror. That's what I have to do. I go and I go, oh, okay, busted. Uh, I, I hope, I think, in some ways, good example. In other ways, you would go, what's wrong with you, dude? Why would you do that? Why do you act that way? See, really, all of us, you're looking at me like it doesn't apply to you, but trust me, it does. All of us aren't the perfect example in every way. But there's more than that. When I finally realized the more than that, I was like, Douglas, because that's what I call myself when I'm being stupid. Douglas, what's really happening here is this. Coming to Jesus is radically different than learning to obey Jesus. Those are radically different things. We can sometimes mix them together. If you're not sure what I mean, watch. Uh, Here's how we come to Jesus. We begin a relationship with Jesus, the Bible says, by grace through faith. Then having begun the relationship, then I learn to live in obedience to him. But the problem is we try to make it all the one and the same. Because we are to learn to live in obedience, we think we should come to Jesus by obeying him. But here's the deal. I can't obey my way back to God. That's what the guy's demonstrating for us. You can't obey your way back to God. Now, that's more prevalent than what you might think. Yesterday, I spent three and a half hours at the bank because somebody had hacked my bank accounts, and so I had to close all my accounts and reopen. Major pain. In the process, the one redeeming moment was this. The gal who was working with me asked me, uh, so when are you going to retire? And I said, well, I don't plan to retire. And she was like, well, why not? And I said, well, because I'm a pastor. And she was like, oh, yeah, pastors aren't allowed to retire. Okay, so yeah, we established. And then she says, oh, man, you're a pastor. I'm from Russia. And my favorite icon in my Russian Orthodox church is this icon they have of these scales. And on the one side of the scales, there are the things that we do bad, and it's tipped that way. And the individual is 
in the fires of hell, but on the other side of the scales are the good things that we could do. And it demonstrates to me that if I can start doing more good, I can tip the scales and gain heaven. Well, that's very common. It's just not true. In fact, she had headed me off at the past. Before she told me all that, she had already informed me. I think it's very rude when people share their opinions and then other people disagree with them and tell them they're wrong. <laughs> so she had headed me off the past before she told me about her favorite icon. But I thought, wow, that captures exactly what logically makes sense. You see, it does make sense. If you recognize that doing wrong is what separates us from God, then it only makes sense that if that's what separates us from God, what ought to make us right with God? Doing right, doing good. It makes sense. It's just not true according to the scriptures. It's not how we come to Jesus. We don't obey our way back. So how do we come back? Well, look at the guy. Verse 40, textbook. A leper came to Jesus. How? Beseeching him and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, I want us to notice three realities in how he came to Jesus. First, when he says, make me clean, what is he acknowledging? He is acknowledging he has a need, right, that he is not clean. He's acknowledging, he's admitting his need. That is, for every single one of us, the absolute necessity in coming to Jesus. No one, I don't care who you are, no one comes to Jesus without first admitting, I have a need, a spiritual need. And that spiritual need is this. For all have sinned. Would you put yourself in that category? Yeah. All, everybody gets in that category. All have sinned, and the wages of sin is death. Death is best understood by separation. We think death, separation from the body, from life. Death that this is talking about is separation from God eternally. Hell, because hell is eternal separation from God. So the wage for all have sin and the wages of sin what you earn because of your sin is what? Hell. Ever been talking to somebody and they got like something green stuck in their teeth? And it's really like awkward. You don't notice it first and then you see it and then it's like, "Ugh, I'm trying not to look at it, but I can't look at anything else." And then it's like, "Uh, do I want to say something?" But then if you say something, that's awkward for them. They feel silly, and then they start digging in their teeth, and they always start the wrong side, and they got to figure out which tooth it is, and you kind of go through all that, and it's like, ah, maybe it's better just not to say anything. They don't know it, but they have a need. They actually need someone to show them they have a need. You see the spiritual parallel there? But oftentimes, we're a little uncomfortable with the awkwardness of telling someone they have a need. But most in our culture don't know they have something called sin stuck in their teeth, if you will. They acknowledge, I'm not perfect, I just don't deserve hell. No one comes to Jesus without first admitting, 
I deserve hell. First step. But what else did the guy say? If you're willing, he said, you can make me clean. When he says you can, what is he else is he acknowledging? Yes, he is acknowledging not only do I have a problem, do I have a need, I can't resolve it myself. I am believing that I have a need and I'm unable to meet the need. I'm helpless, but I believe that you can help me. So coming to Jesus is admitting that I have a need and believing that he, Jesus, can meet my need. That's what the leper demonstrates, that we believe that he can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. So is it true that all have sinned, yes or no? Is it true that therefore all deserve hell, yes or no? Yes. So the scripture says the wages of sin is death, but... The free word, gift. Gift, in other words, if it's a gift, you can't earn it and you can't pay it back. The free gift of God is eternal life. The opposite of hell, eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So I admit I have a need. I'm helpless to help myself, but I believe that you can. Why can Jesus do for me what I can't do for myself? Well, because the scripture says, he, God, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin to be sin. Why? On our behalf. So that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Jesus, who was without sin, takes the penalty of my sin, your sin, upon himself so that we might be delivered from the penalty of our sin and actually receive the righteousness of Christ. So I admit and I believe. Finally, he says, third section, if you are willing, you can make me clean. I'm not clean. I need to be clean. I can't make myself clean. You can. Are you willing? You see? Now, don't miss it. The leper's demonstrating is how do you come to Jesus? You admit your need, you believe you can, and then what do you do? <laughs> you ask that he will meet your need. Now here, as you think of asking Jesus to meet the need that sin has created in your life, I have phenomenal news for you. In fact, if you hadn't heard it before, you'd probably want to stand up and holler. But because you all have heard it before, or most of you, you're going to sit there looking really bored. But this is not boring truth or news at all. When the man says, if you're willing, you can make me clean, when it comes to our sin need, here's what the Scripture says. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord, what will happen? They will be saved. So is he willing if you call on him for salvation? Is he willing? How often? Every time. For whom? Every single one. So we believe. We admit we believe. But we ask. So uh, last Thursday night, a guy came to our Thursday service 
And he was there first time. His wife, his girlfriend had come to Christ a year earlier. And she, she had been changing. He had been seeing it. But he was not yet a Christ follower, so he came to the Thursday service. And so I went up to him afterwards, and I wasn't sneaky or tricky at all. I simply said to him, hey, I know she is trusted in Jesus. You've seen her change. But I wonder, would you be willing to sit down with me and talk about where you are yourself spiritually? And he was like, sure, that'd be no problem. So we got together this week. And so we sat down, and I went through the gospel with him his need, and what Jesus has done. He said, yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. And I said, oh, so you know that Jesus paid the penalty for sin. Yes, I know that. So therefore, everyone is forgiven. Yes. Oh, no. He said, no. I said, no. Then I asked him this question. You can answer the question. Is there a bridge between here and Orange Park? Yeah, what's it called? It's the Buckman Bridge. You, you know about the Buckman Bridge? Are you in Orange Park? <laughs> if you're confused about that one, we have other things to deal with. You're not in Orange Park, but is there a bridge? So a bridge doesn't automatically put you there. In the same way that Jesus having paid the penalty for our sin doesn't automatically make you forgiven. We have to Ask, receive the gift. So he was tracking with me, and so he goes, so what do I need to do? So I went through it again. I went through admit and believe and receive, like five minutes. And he goes, okay, okay, so what do I need to do? So I went through it again with him, admit, believe, and receive. And after another five minutes, he goes, oh, and looking straight in my eyes, he goes, God, I admit I am a sinner. I deserve hell. But I believe that Jesus paid the penalty for my sin, and I receive that. Thank you. And I was like, dude, you got to close your eyes or it doesn't count. <laughs> no, I didn't say that. She's like, oh, really? No, I didn't say that. But it was really one of the first times, and therefore coolest but awkward, the guy was staring at me while he said his professional faith to the Lord. Now, was he born again at that moment? Yeah, that's what the scripture promised. Whoever will call upon that. Well, who would do that? Someone who believes that they have a need and they can't meet it, but that Christ has and they can only receive it. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord, promise, promise, promise will be saved. Born again. So we learn from the leper about coming to Jesus. So back to verse 40. And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, begging him, and falling on his knees before him and saying, if you're willing, you can make me clean. So notice something. The man came to Jesus not because of a sin problem. He's not looking for forgiveness. What's he looking for? He's looking for physical healing. Does that make a difference? Absolutely that makes a difference. Here's why. Because while the Bible promises that all who call on Jesus to be saved will be saved, promise. It does not promise that all who ask to be healed will be immediately healed. So the man 
As much as it's true of everything that I just told you about how to come to Jesus for spiritual needs, that's not what this text is about. What this text is about is how to come to Jesus when you have physical need. A need for cleansing of cancer or for an organ to begin functioning again or for pain to be taken away. That's the need we're dealing with here. So, how do you come to Jesus? We've already learned how do you come to Jesus for spiritual need. How do you come to Jesus for physical need? Well, you start by, I admit my need. Lord, I have a skin disease. I'm a social outcast. God, my heart isn't working. It's not beating at the right rate. God, cancer's eating up my body. My liver's not working. My kidneys have stopped. You admit that you have a need. And what do you do then? You believe that, you can, that he can meet that need. What did the leper say? Because he's there, again, for physical need. He says, Lord, I'm not clean. That's obvious to everybody. My body is deformed. I'm contagious. Nobody will come near me. I have to literally cry out, unclean, unclean. I am here because I'm unclean, but I believe you can make me clean. See, do you believe that God can heal you? Sometimes that's what we wrestle with. I try to remember myself, where did humanity come from? Where did it all start? Dirt, right? God took dirt shaped it, and breathed into the dirt that he had shaped. He breathed into it life. And then from that life, he took a rib, and he fashioned from a rib a woman. And so if anybody knows the human body, it's the one who formed it from dirt and then from a bone, who created it. Does he know how the heart is intended to function? Can he Make a heart that's not functioning correctly function correctly. Can he take a body that's experiencing pain and stop the pain? Absolutely, he can. He is the author of the body. He's the author of life. The leper is absolutely right. I'm not clean, but you can make me clean. You're the one who made this body. And then what did he do? He asked that he would. He asked. If you're willing, that's his ask, if you're willing, in other words, I'm not demanding, as if I could, I'm not demanding, I'm simply acknowledging it's up to you, it's your choice. And if you choose to, you are able to do for me what I can't do for myself and what nobody else can do for me. You can heal me. If you're willing, we ask or we don't. Because some of you will genuinely relate to the struggle to ask God for physical healing. 
for a couple reasons. As I've looked at my own journey with Christ, I've wrestled with these three barriers to asking. First, I would say, and I think many of you would say, I believe that he can. I'm just not sure if he still does. In other words, I was never questioning the historicity of this book, the accuracy of what Jesus did in the New Testament. I believed it fully. I just wasn't certain that what he had done then, he still does now. And I wasn't certain because the people who were helping me grow in my faith weren't certain either. They never admitted it. It just came out in their prayers. All of my memories of people praying for sick people as I was growing in my faith consisted of this. Lord, give them strength in the midst of their sickness. Lord, comfort them in the midst of their sickness. Lord, give the doctors wisdom. What would not come off their lips was simply this. Lord, would you please heal them? Would you please take away the cancer? Would you remove the pain? Would you begin to cause the kidneys to function again? And though it wasn't often, or strike that, ever admitted, what was underneath that was this. I, I, I have to believe he can, because I don't want to make God with a short arm or limited power. I have to believe he can. I just... I'm confused and concerned if he still does, and so I don't ask. That's where I was for a long time. And then, not enough minutes to share the specifics, but years ago, one Easter morning, I was driving to CFC, prepared to teach about God raising Jesus from the dead, and God put it right on my nose you are prepared to believe that Jesus rose from the dead but not ask that your family member would be healed today of a particular sickness. And I was struck to the core by that inconsistency and for with absolute confidence, not hedging all my bets, with absolute confidence, I simply said, God, you raised Jesus from the dead. I'm going to ask that you would heal my family member today, this morning. And he did. And then I was all freaked out. Like, well, maybe he was going to get better anyway. You know, I was not prepared to ask God to do the supernatural. And when I finally crossed over the line, and he did, then I didn't know how to handle it. And so I was like, well, maybe it didn't really happen. Isn't that funny how we do that? I think some of you can relate. You've had maybe something similar, and you're just like, wow, then when God did, then I was like, am I really prepared to call it supernatural? So here's my encouragement to you. If you would, and I know this is hard to admit, but there's lots of people in this boat with you. If you're saying, I know I know theologically I believe that he can. I just really still personally wrestle with, does he still do this for me? Send me an email. And I will put you in touch with people 
like real people in our body, not like wacky, quacky people, because they're not allowed to be here. (laughs) Real people that you would go, okay, they're like people who worship with us, yes. And it would be their great joy because they have been healed and they have not been bound by Jesus to not tell anybody, like this guy. And it'd be their great delight. In fact, I'm reminded every year around Palm Sunday from a gal in our congregation who goes, hey, I just want to praise the Lord again. It was Palm Sunday eight years ago. Prayed for healing in the service, and God healed me. And my family has been completely changed because of what God did in my life that day. Some of you would really be encouraged by that. I needed it. It's not a problem if you need it. Just you could talk to somebody real life in our body who can confirm God still heals. A second barrier is this. I'm not sure if praying actually makes a difference. In other words, we've had, rightfully so, the sovereignty of God so taught into our thinking that we then have wrongly concluded that God is going to do what he's going to do whether I ask or not. I don't really need to ask. God's just going to do it. He said, whatever's going to happen is going to happen. There's no point in praying. And I get that, and I believe in the sovereignty of God, but that's not a correct conclusion. And I know that, not simply by personal example, I know that because the Scripture has a very clear statement regarding that. The Scripture says, you have not because you ask not. In other words, the work of God is not happening here because you're not asking. And so, if you've been reluctant, to ask because you think, well, God's going to do what he's going to do. Folks, imagine the regret of the leper if he simply determines, I know Jesus is coming through today, but, you know, if God wants to heal me, he'll heal me. I don't need to. I don't need to go asking. It wasn't just going to rub off Jesus as he went nearby. The man said, if you're willing You can make me clean. Asking makes a difference. Third reason we're often reluctant to ask is this. I'm afraid he'll say no. Or maybe this. He has said no. Not just once, but multiple times. And so I worked my courage up one time. You twisted my arm before, Doug, and so I asked and God said, no, uh, that was painful. That was hurtful because it seemed like, what did God are you saying to me? Are you saying you don't love me? You don't care? Maybe you do for some people. You don't, I don't know how to handle that. I don't know how to take that. And so it's easier, safer not to ask. And the reality is, is no an answer. Yeah. God could say no. That's the whole object of the reality of the clear definition of asking, that there is a yes and there is a no. Uh, For those of you guys who are married, can you remember before she was your wife when you wanted to ask her out for the first time? 
I remember watching Jackie, being interested in asking her, but being too chicken to. But I had shared it with my roommate that I was interested. And so we're in the cafeteria one morning, and he literally kicked me. Get to it, dude. So I remember walking up beside her, scared, because there was no guarantee she'd say yes. Scared to simply go, hey, would you be, you know, maybe like kind of interested in going out Friday night? Because she could have easily went, with you? Are you serious? No way. Because there was a long line of guys who were asking. It's always risky. I'm honest here. It's always risky to ask because an answer, a legitimate answer to an ask is no. And what do you do with no? You don't love me? You don't care? You care for other people more than you care for me? Safer not to ask. So, an important question. Does God love you? How do you know? And you can't say because the Bible tells me so. How do you know? For God so loved the world, he gave. See, it's more than written down. He gave his son that whoever believed wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. If, if you ever are reluctant to ask because the answer may be no and the no may mean God doesn't love me, then hear me clearly. He could not love you more. He could not demonstrate that he loved you more. He has loved you to the fullest by sending his son. There, there's no more loving thing he could do. Ask him. He loves you. He would not say no because he doesn't love you. He would only say no because he loves you in ways that you don't yet understand or fully see the value in. So, to encourage you to ask, what did the man say? If you're willing, what? You can make me clean. I'm moved with compassion. Jesus, moved with compassion, seeing this guy deformed and outcast, moved with compassion, seeing his need, moved with compassion, stretches out his hand and touches him. You don't touch a leper. It is contagious, not highly, but that's why that you, unclean, you have to stay away so that my disease would not become your disease. Jesus breaks the rules, steps towards him, touches the man, and says, I am willing. I'm glad you ask. You would have never known had you not asked. I'm glad you asked. I am willing. Be cleansed. See, I want us to know this morning, God loves us and he has compassion and he's willing to touch the untouchable and he is willing and able to heal. Our God is not far off and distant, looking, unfeeling toward his people. As Jesus see, saw with compassion in that moment, God sees, he is compassionate now. Jesus is willing to touch the untouchable. God is willing to do what no one else can do. He is willing, he is able 
to heal. Now, how do I know he is willing and able to heal? I know that because the text says immediately the leprosy left him. In other words, it's not like, well, I was experiencing pain, but now I'm not. Well, what do you really mean? Is it going to come back? It wasn't my organ wasn't working, but now it is working. It was very physical, very visible. A guy who was deformed with leprosy was cleansed. People could see it. He went to the to the priest to offer his sacrifice, and they could look at him and outwardly go, "Whoa, this guy used to be a leper. He's cleansed, and there was no cure." Jesus did it. He was cleansed. But for how many of us is it true? We have not because we ask not. Our fears or our lack of understanding, our insecurities, they've kept us trapped from experiencing what God may want to do in and through us. And so I simply want to encourage you. If you are in need of physical healing this morning, that you would, with this guy, simply say to God, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, I understand there may still be some reluctance, some uncertainty, and so... I hope as you watch and listen to this story, you'll be encouraged. Go ahead and watch this story. My name is Rebecca Salzman. I moved here two years ago with my husband, Ben, so that he could start a job at the chapel as the audio-video lighting director. I also found a job at the chapel as a threes preschool teacher for Precious Promises Preschool, which has been so much fun. And I also serve on the worship team and tech teams on Thursdays and Sundays. Long before we moved here, I was diagnosed with two disorders that both cause chronic pain, primarily in my joints. It really took its toll on my body and was difficult emotionally because I was in pain 24-7. I did my best to adapt and I feel like overall I had a pretty good life, but I longed to be normal and it was really easy to be discouraged and angry that my life revolves so much around chronic pain. I knew that God was capable of anything and that he could heal me, but I found it hard to ask him for healing. I was so used to my life with pain that doing anything different just seemed too risky and too scary, as weird as that sounds. I also thought, what if I ask God for healing and he says no? What am I supposed to do with that? But then my family group and my husband Ben told me that they were praying for healing for me and that really convicted me. I thought these people are more willing to pray for me than I'm willing to pray for myself and that's not okay. So I started making some timid steps forward, asking God for healing every now and then and the answer was always no, but through that I learned that that was okay that all I needed to do was keep asking God and let him work out the rest and trust him in his timing. 
do you believe that God can still do the supernatural? Do you believe that? If so, what will you do? You'll ask that he will. I was sitting right here in the sound booth in North Auditorium. Doug was preaching and he asked people to stand if they wanted to pray for healing or relief from their trials. I didn't stand, but I did pray and I just asked God, if you want to, if you could please heal me from my chronic pain, I know that you can and I'm just asking that you would and I will try my best to accept the answer no matter what. And at first, nothing happened, and I thought that the answer was no again. And I thought, okay, that's okay, and just tried my best to be all right with it. But then I started feeling this tingling sensation in my joints, and almost instantly my pain vanished. And I was in a good amount of pain when I walked in the room that morning, so the difference was pretty big. I remember looking up from my prayer and thinking, did that really just happen? Am I completely pain-free? But I was, and it's been six months, and I am still pain-free, and I'm so thankful that God chose to heal me. I don't know why he chose to heal me that day, but I'm really thankful that he did, and I want to praise him for the miracle that he has worked in my life. No. 
want to simply invite you, if you have this morning a physical need, a need for a supernatural touch from God, it's an act of faith in admitting that need, and that you would stand and act of faith, acknowledge, and I have a need for the healing touch of God in my life. Whether you're in this auditorium over in South, I invite you to stand, and I simply want to pray for you. The power for healing is not because I'm praying. It's not even in how I pray. The power for healing is in the power of God. As He sovereignly, graciously, compassionately chooses to touch His children. And so, God, you see in this room and over in South, you see the men and the women who are standing. And as Jesus saw that leper and felt compassion, I know you have compassion for your children. You see the pain they're experiencing. You see their need. You see what's shutting down in their body or what's eating them up. You know what they wake up to. You know what they go to bed with. God, I ask according to your mercy and compassion, according to the victory that you have accomplished through the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, according to the sin and death has been defeated, I ask, God, that you would bring your healing touch to those who are asking right now. I pray that you would start organs again, that you would remove cancer, that you would remove pain, that you would restore to health. God, I ask that you would cleanse and heal and restore. I invite you as you stand as an act of faith, would you, as quietly there in your own heart, would you declare that you believe and that you're asking him to heal you? Thank you, God, that you here and that you still do work. I pray that you would make your name great and that your glory would be lifted up, that many would hear and believe in Jesus because of the healing that you do in the lives of your people. Thank you for the privilege to praise you no matter what, to ask of you in believing that you love. Thank you for being a good father. I trust you. Ask you would heal. Would you continue to stand as they continue in the song?
seating would stand and let's stand in solidarity with confidence that we believe his promise still stands and he's faithful ask the Lord believing that he can trusting in what he does and simply want to also give you an opportunity if you would say even far greater than a physical need I have a spiritual need for cleansing there's no if in that there's the promise and so I would invite you you can do this standing where you are right now You can simply, eyes open, standing up, tell the Lord, Lord, I admit I deserve hell. I am a sinner deserving of your wrath. But I believe you, Jesus, have taken the penalty for my sin. You've made a way for me to be restored to relationship with you. Thank you. I receive it as a gift. It's one of the greatest things we can ever say to the Lord. And so... I invite you to declare that to him. I want us to read together from Psalm 116. And so would you read this in both auditors? Would you read this out loud with me? I love the Lord because he hears my voice and my supplications. Because he has inclined his ear to me. Therefore, I shall call upon him as long as I live. Gracious is the Lord and righteous Yes, our God is compassionate. The Lord preserves the simple. I was brought low, and he saved me.
You know, we don't just ask once, one time back in 2017. It's our Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Uh, I haven't met the individual, but uh, one of our elders, Frost Weaver, said he had an individual share with him after last hour that he had been healed right during the service. So, so grateful for that. In case, Rebecca, if you'd come over here, in case you haven't connected the dots, the one leading us in singing was the one who gave the testimony. <clears throat> yeah, and, and, and we clap for great joy for her because 15 years of pain to be delivered. What a gift from God. But we rejoice with you because what a gift to our faith. The reminder, God still works. Let's ask him. And so as we go now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Did you catch that? To all generations. So we continue to believe that he can and ask that he will. God bless.